Welcome to Sharing in Our Caring, the podcast that brings together thought leaders, policymakers, and industry insiders. During our programs, we'll be shedding light on the human services sector that is often overlooked, but impacts us all. Join us for engaging conversations aimed at making positive change in this important space. Welcome to the first episode of Sharing in Our Caring, where your co-hosts, Elliot Masuda, the Strategic Partnerships Manager. And my name's David Butchaferro, Senior Advisor at Foothold Technology. We're a software vendor in the human services space, and we wanted to really shed light to a lot of issues and celebrate all the powerful, impactful work of the provider community. And today we're going to bring you a conversation around the DSP workforce and why we feel that's such an important topic and to bring to light certain factors around that topic that we hope will lead to some action steps that can be taken to help. Elliot, you want to do a little piece on what a DSP is? Yeah, so DSP stands for Direct Support Professional. And the reason why we wanted to start with the DSP workforce crisis, specifically because it is a crisis, is that there has been a lot of attention through COVID, through the recent administration change with Biden. He has wanted to draw a lot of attention, fund a lot of money to the care economy, human infrastructure. And so a DSP specifically is support with developmental disabilities. So David, if you want to kind of talk about why you feel this topic's important. Yeah, just to add to some of what Elliot said, DSPs work very hard. They have long hours, difficult situations, and you could probably become a Amazon truck driver in your community for 20 to 30% more money than you could if you were a direct support worker. And so this crisis we're facing by not having enough direct support workers has really made an impact on the ability of individuals to move forward with their life. Yeah, the situation is so dire right now, and there has been constant underinvestment in this arena, and COVID really brought some negative impact. And this is not an issue that can go away easy. It's going to take a lot of work from a lot of people. There are efforts taking place. I think one estimate, and Elliot, correct me if I'm wrong, that it it would probably take nearly $200 billion to really create a environment where the people that are providing these services are doing so with a livable wage and where there's enough of them to really make the big impact in the community we need. Yeah. And I think that the 200 billion is almost to just get us to a point where we're in the right direction. But David, I wanted to just really quickly take the second to, I know we're going to get into interviews, but maybe just tell us a little bit about your background and why you're so passionate about the work that is going on. <laughs> Thanks, Ellie. I started working with the New York State Office of Mental Health about 39, 40 years ago, and focused on helping individuals regain their life, recovery services, rehabilitation services. And I'm very passionate about making sure that we keep these opportunities open 
by having enough individuals that are working in this field, but equally important, paying them a wage that allows them to make a decision to participate in social service, community support kinds of roles. So I know we have to move into our interviews, but Elliot, give a few minutes about why this is so passionate to you. Yeah. So I've been with Foothold Technology, as you know, because you've been almost alongside me the whole time for 11 years. And I think throughout my life, service has always been something that I have done throughout my life. And I thought Foothold Technology bridged that gap of kind of taking the work that I had done professionally before and then connected me to the the human services sector. And I've learned so much. And recently now as the strategic partnerships manager, it's really about community engagement. And so when we had this opportunity to create a podcast, I, yeah, super exciting. Yeah. And I would add, Elliot, that, that without something happening soon, people's ability to live independently is going to take a step back and more people are going to have to start living in congregate care settings. One in five people live with a disability. I am sure everyone either knows someone as a family member or themselves are dealing with some type of disability that may be affecting their life. I'm a strong believer in the concept of recovery and never saying that people are handicapped because many people with disabilities can do many more things than I've ever dreamed of being able to do, but they do sometimes need support. And that's why we really felt this was the the very important first topic to put in our podcast. So Elliot, what do you say we get into hearing from a couple of experts? Yeah. So another exciting part of our podcast is to talk to industry professionals, as well as other insiders in the community. And today we have a couple guests bringing uh, two unique perspectives. One is a direct support professional, and the other is coming from a recruitment and staff development viewpoint. So we're excited to have them. Our first interviewee uh, works with Dungarvan out of the Indianapolis location, and that is William Pate. So we're excited to bring him on. And the reason why we identified William as a guest for our podcast is he was the winner of Anchor's 2021 Direct Support Professional of the Year. And for those of you that aren't familiar with Anchor, they are one of the nation's leading advocacy associations supporting individuals with developmental disabilities. So with that, let's hear from William. Thank you for joining us. So can you share with us what got you into this career, into becoming a direct support DSP? I grew up with my great-grandmother, you know, being one of my main providers in my life. And she was diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic. And she could do everything on her own. She lived her own life, but she just didn't like taking her medication. And she also had dementia. So, you know, she had a lot of personality. And the whole family pretty much turned their back on her beside me and my mother. And she had to spend in a nursing home against her will. And this is a long story to it, but I done raised all my kids pretty much by myself. I had never done it as far as working in the field, but I had known women who have done this job. So I went and studied in human services and all that. And then I applied for this job and here I am. 
prior to the interview, you talked about the individual that you serve. And I know that one of the roles that's really big about the DSP is making sure that they connect with their family. Can you just go into why you think that's very important in the role that you play? It ain't just having a parent there. There's a having a parent that cares. And there's a big difference. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You got to have somebody that actually loves their child. And and outside of me, like I always say, he, his dad is one of the best dads I've ever seen in my life. And I didn't have a dad. So seeing the way he loved his son, man, you know, you just wonder, damn, would my father love me like that? Because, man, his dad is Johnny on the spot. His mother pretty much abandoned. She'll come for 20 minutes and leave. So, you know, it's really sad, but has grown so much that she probably doesn't know anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think whether you call it family or connection or community, you're creating this connectedness between you and the individuals. And I'm sure the other staff members, because at the end of the day, it's about inclusion, right? What characteristics or qualities do you think you need to be a good DSP? Compassion, understanding, respect, listening, and one of the biggest things is smiling. You know, all the individuals I ever dealt with is that I always treat them like I'm a roommate there and I just go home, man. I'm one of the guys. I don't come in like I'm a staff and a drill sergeant. They come to me with their personal issues that they would never go to any other staff with. That's why I said you got to have compassion, understanding, respect, and you got to listen, you know, and you got to smile because. Yeah. Energy. They can feel that. So I'm sure you're aware that the DSP workforce crisis is a big thing. What gets you to stay in the job? I got so many stories. (laughs) And and it's crazy because my individual was yearning to see his, his elderly mother. He was 48 at the time and hadn't seen his mother in about two years. And we finally got it set up to go see her. And two days before he went to go see her, she passed away. And I think because I was there and the type of person I am and the comfort I gave him, he got through that with no problem. He thanked me. And, you know, just a beautiful thing. I could go get a job making whatever i turned down the program director job twice because that ain't what i want to do i believe that when you do right by people and and you pray at night and you thank god for the little things and all that no matter what salary you make man, i believe you're gonna be blessed man awesome to hear because i think that the heart of the work that you all do is to help people keep moving in that direction, right? And find as much independence and as much inclusion in the community and all of that. So hearing that those stories that you have is so inspiring. I just thank God for this platform and giving DSPs this type of spotlight. Please quit hiring people to underestimate this occupation because you could be in danger in somebody's life. Have some compassion for other people, man. Go a long way, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. So, Elliot, we're excited about our second speaker, Denise Bird. Denise is a staff development coordinator at Gateways Community Services in New Hampshire. She came to us through the Foothold Technology Nominated DSP as initiative. 
We selected Denise to present to you today and speak to us about many of the issues that are facing a recruiter in the DSP workforce world. She shared with us a number of stories about the difficulties that a direct support worker has and the obstacles they face in doing their job. So Elliot, let's move forward. So could you just share with us what you see as some of the major obstacles in hiring um, and recruiting direct support professionals? I say the first and most significant obstacle that we have are the rates of pay that we can offer and the benefits or, or lack thereof. So, you know, the obstacles, so low pay for sure, you can easily go get a job at Target at $15 an hour, but these roles are probably average wage $13 to $15 per hour. And the reason why we can't pay more is because we have to go by the Medicaid rates that are set by the federal government and the state. And ultimately, the individuals that you're serving are the ones that are suffering, right? Absolutely. Um, The families and the individuals, because they aren't able to get out into the community, or if they have a parent um, who works, that parent often needs to quit their job so that they can support their loved one, which in New Hampshire, these are citizens and they're supposed to be able to have these services. It's a right. And yet we're struggling so much to be able to find these services for them. I know we've talked about kind of pay rates. You were on the panel discussion that we had Mm. last week Mm. with some Mm -hmm. other thought leaders, and they talked about career opportunities. Have you done anything like that internally, or is that kind of something that you hope the federal or state governments can kind of help with that? That is one of the things we really want to see, and that's on our wish list, is that career track for development for direct support professionals so that it does become a certified, a truly certified position with, you know, all the professional development and wage growth and, you know, opportunities for advancement that comes with, you know, many other helping careers. And and we want to see it valued as such. By our our community. You don't necessarily realize how important it is until it's not there anymore. So to try to find a little bit of the hope there in your role as trying to find recruitment efforts and trying to find staff to fill these roles, what have you been doing at your organization that you have found has worked? We're all doing our very best, but we really need that support, the federal support and the state support. We've been sort of seeing this crisis coming on the horizon for years. And we do a lot of advocacy work here at Gateways, policy work, our leadership, they're well-connected at the state level. We do a lot of education. We have an organization called GFAN. It's the Gateways Family Advocacy Network to help give families and clients more opportunities for advocacy work so that they can like reach out to their senators, their representatives, they can testify at budget hearings. It's all in the effort of trying to get a higher reimbursement rate so that we can pay people more. We have tried to partner with 
organizations in the community working with new citizens to the United States who need jobs. We're partnering with our Chamber of Commerce in town, just trying to get the word out anywhere we possibly can. We're doing ads on Facebook. We are trying to network, you know, with other area agencies and other, you know, parts of the state to say, okay, what's worked with for you? Because we're having trouble. It's really all hands on deck. We need that to be able to create, you know, this community that we, that we are creating, you know, to go to the next step to full inclusion and full understanding and being able to educate everybody. You know, we really need more resources. Yeah. And as Denise just said, providers continue to do the hard work and amazing work, but they do need resources. And without those resources directed towards them, the road is going to continue to be hard, if not detrimental. So we had two amazing guests with us today. I think they really brought attention to all the amazing work they do and how important it is and really what how they impact the individuals they serve. So I think we're going to try to wrap up each episode with, as David had said earlier, with just kind of talking about what you can do, right, to help whatever the topic, and this is the DSP workforce crisis. And I think for me, I think there is a lot of attention being drawn, not only to the DSP workforce crisis right now, but just, I I really do think about how we care for one another, right? The Americans jobs plan, which was really the vision of Joe Biden. He really is trying to move towards this focus and value around human infrastructure, the better cares, better job act that is being proposed, which referenced that $200 billion, David, that you had referenced earlier, support that in any way you can, whether that's reaching out to your legislator, whether that's communicating to a friend on why it's so important. So that's for me, I think, just some of those why we wanted, why this topic is so important. I just want to say thank you to William and to Denise for spending time with us and having this conversation with us and to each of you for joining us and hope that you'll provide feedback to us so we can improve our podcast to you share with us additional ideas of podcasts you'd like to hear about share with us ideas you have but thank you all Thanks for listening to Sharing in Our Caring, brought to you by Foothold Technology. Special thanks to our guests, William Pate and Denise Bird. We also wanted to give a shout out to Resonate, who has helped us with production and editing, and a shout out to Grace. If you like this episode and want to hear more, please like and subscribe and consider following us on our social media channels by searching at Foothold Tech. For more information, visit us at footholdtechnology.com. We'll catch you on our next episode.